Greetings and salutations, sports fans nationwide. You have entered the Sports Opinion Log podcast. I am your host, the People's Sportscast, Alex Anderson. And in a matter of hours, the Elite Eight will be kicking off. But first things first, I got to do a recap of how we got there. So I will be talking about the Sweet 16 from Thursday and Friday. So this podcast episode will be a doubleheader, starting first with the Thursday games. Kansas State University, ranked number three, eliminates Michigan State University in the East region. Final score, 98-93 in overtime. And you know what? I thought Michigan State would do the damn thing. But sadly, it was the heroics of Marquise Noel who lit up MSU like I was just so devastating with how this game played out Marquise Noel the littlest dude on the court 5 foot 8 breaks the NCAA tournament record for assist in a game with 19 of them and this game was a thriller it was an excellent game and what makes it even crazier is that Marquise Noel suffered a second half ankle injury. The way his ankle rolled would have, well, in real life, KD would clearly be out for a month. But this young man sat out a couple of minutes, came back, and literally led his team to victory. He was and is a true floor general. You have the highlight of him arguing with his coach, Jerome Tang. And while he's arguing with his coach, he's throwing up alley-oops because MSU is just sleeping on the defensive end. Marquise Noel was so dangerous that when I'm watching the highlights post-game, you see the double and triple teams that allowed him to go off for the 19 assists. 19 assists. (laughs) And you know, don't get me wrong, right? Kansas State ranked number three. MSU ranked number seven. And I thought that MSU would be able to seal the deal. But they couldn't. They couldn't. And then to to make it even worse... To make it even worse, freaking needing a three to tie the game, Marquise Noel stole the ball from Spartans Tyson Walker and another teammate tripped into him, two bumbleheads tripping over tripping over one another, and he went in for, for a clinching layup at the buzzer. Noel also had 20 points and five steals, and, you know, everybody was just talking about the history of Madison Square Garden and stepping up and just putting, he put his stamp on the game, honestly. Like, this is something that will forever go down in NC Tournament March Madness history. UNLV's Mark Wade had the previous tournament assist record with 18 during the Running Rebels' 1987 Final Four win over Indiana. History was made tonight. 
plain and simple. And this was the first overtime of this year's tournament. I mean, like, man, the way he turned his ankle, I thought he was over and done with. But nope, he came back and led his team to victory. It honestly gets no more impressive than that. As for Michigan State, Izzo has led the Spartans to 25 straight NCAA tournaments, but is still looking for that second national title. Since their championship back in 2000, the Spartans have made six Final Fours. The last one was in 2019. Damn. And well, even... Um, I got to find out that young man who hit the three for for um, for freaking Kansas State. Young man shooting a logo three right down the middle on the March Madness logo. <laughs> Yikes. Hold on here. Let me see. Where is this young man's name? Oh, boy, okay, Dead Space. Sorry about that. My apologies. Trying to look for that scoring play. Hold on here. Ah, here we go. Bear with me. Yes, Cam Carter. There we go. Wait, Cam Carter? Hold on here. Excuse me, overtime. Hold on, here we go. Ah, yes, Ismael Massad made the jumper. Yes, but it was actually clearly Marquise Noel, you know, just put more icing on the cake. But Ismael Massad with that three on the March Madness logo. Crazy. Easily over 25 feet. MSU, not a wasted season. On to the second game for the West Region. UConn bounces Arkansas 88-65. Nothing more to be said there. (laughs) I thought Arkansas was not going to eliminate UConn, but UConn is just too big. It was too, they're too big. And too dangerous. Jordan Hockett, Jordan Hawkins, excuse me, 24 points. UConn will get number three, Gonzaga, which I'll talk about later. Can UConn win their first championship since 2014? So far, they've outscored their three March Madness opponents by 62 points. I mean, like, they crushed Iona. They crushed St. Mary's. But, you know, let's be real. Those aren't really big-time elite programs. A-seeded Arkansas was seeking a third straight appearance to the Elite Eight. The Razorbacks have made three straight Sweet 16s for the second time. But they're still building. As for UConn, they are now 15-0 in non-conference games, all by double digits. Wow. Wow. Huskies also made 9 of 23 pointers and had 22 assists. That is what you call a total team effort. 
and UConn entered the game averaging 17.4 assists. On to an upset. Florida Atlantic, ranked number nine, beats down and eliminates Tennessee in the East region. Final score 62-55 on that. And where did it all go wrong for the Volunteers? Florida Atlantic continues to make noise. And they are one victory away from a Final Four. From what I've been seeing on social media, you can follow me on Twitter at LexAnderson underscore WS. There's only one bracket out there that even picked FAU to get this far. Crazy. So the Owls, I guess they are the Cinderella team. It was the three-point shooting, though, that made the Tennessee Volunteers become undone. 33%, 6 of 23 from three-point range. It was almost like looking at a North Carolina game. (laughs) And clearly the defense of FAU, it was too much for Tennessee. They got bullied. They got bullied. They got put down. And basically, they stayed down. And look at this. The Owls out-rebounded the bigger Tennessee guys, 40-36. to 12 offensive rebounds were turned into 14 second-chance points. There's your game right there. There is your game. So sad, so sad. But let's be real. Tennessee went 7-8 from February 1st to the end of the season. So a lot of people had predicted that they would fall. And speaking of fall, the last game for Thursday, the West Region, number three, Gonzaga, takes down number two, UCLA, 79-76 final score in another instant classic game. Between these two teams, however, I am here to simply trash UCLA, which went 11 minutes without scoring a field goal, was down 10 with two minutes left in the game, could have had a chance to win it, but Tiger Campbell turned it over in the final seconds. And I am going to put this loss squarely on the shoulders of Tiger Campbell. I don't like his playing style. I feel he plays a lot of hero ball. And again, 11 minutes without a field goal. The loss has to fall from him, has to fall on him. As a matter of fact, the 10 points. In the final two seconds, they were down by eight with a minute and five seconds and had a slim one-point lead with 12.2 seconds left. Sad. Sad. Campbell shot some lame three at the buzzer, hit the back rim, but that's it. 
another classic. And you know what? Can we label this as the best rivalry in college basketball? Probably on the West Coast. UCLA had got the better rallying from 17 points down to send the Zags out of the 2006 bracket. Had Adam Morrison on the floor crying, which they showed him during the game. And he definitely does not look like the young Adam Morrison from yesteryear. Cut his hair, no mustache. (laughs) And then, of course, we had the national championship game. Jalen Suggs hitting a running three-pointer at the buzzer. Sorry, to send the Zags to the national championship game. Excuse me, to send the Zags. Because we know Gonzaga is not going to win the championship. Drew Timmy, 36 points, record 10th NCAA tournament game with 20 with 20 plus points. Clearly, he's a super, super senior. I thought he was 35 years old. I was informed on uh, my TikTok live that he's 22. You could follow me on TikTok at Sports Opinion Log. But Drew Timmy is not 35. He's 22. So I'll shave some years off of him. I will say he's 32. Try to keep it in line. And again, UCLA, they were up by 13 at the half, but went on an 11 minute <laughs> field goal drought. Sad, sad. Like UCLA, you know, you think about the history, you think about the 11 championships. But they end up once again with nothing and falling again to their rival Gonzaga, which like Ida Prophet will decree, will still not win a national championship. They are pretenders, not contenders. But with that being said, we're now going to move on to the Friday games. And sadly, we will be missing some number ones. Stay tuned. Okay, Sports Fans Nationwide, part two of the Sweet 16, recapping the Friday night games of the Sweet 16, starting with the overall number one seed in March Madness, that would be Alabama. That would be the Crimson Tide, who were upset by San Diego State University. Final score, 71-64. And what I want to talk about here is that San Diego State, from what I saw watching this game, bigger stronger, tougher, defense. Alabama, when they needed their shooting to win the game, came through with one of their worst games of the season, shooting 30 of 27 on three-pointers. That will not get the job done, especially when you have the defense of San Diego State just clamping down on you. 
the entire nation was talking about Brandon Miller. Well, Brandon Miller only had nine points, three of 19 from the field, one of 10 from three, and the other young man, Pringle, Nick Pringle, five points, two of two from the field, didn't try any three-point attempts, and that was pretty much, honestly, all she wrote. But I'm interested about the social and the media manipulation in regards to this matchup. The way these announcers and analysts, the way they question these teams pre and post game. How do you feel going into the match with a number one? How do you feel about beating a number one? Anything is possible. Do we not know that watching sports, that anything is possible? Everything always looks good on paper until you have to formulate and execute the game plan. It amazes me how the entire nation, how the entire world is shocked. Like they really interview these young men post-game as if they should have came into the game fearing Alabama because they're the overall number one. How did you feel going into the matchup knowing that you were facing overall number one in Brandon Miller, the All-American freshman? Yeah, did we did we forget that defense wins games? And now the fifth-seeded Aztecs will be taking on six-seeded Creighton on Sunday in the South Region Final. Each team is looking for their first Final Four appearance. And, which I will get into later, because Houston lost to Miami, this will now have us in a March Madness without a single top number one seed for the first time since seeding began back in 1979. So you see, sports fans, history is being made in this March Madness. That's why I, being a sports historian, have to still take in and watch the games. Yeah, North Carolina didn't make it. They declined the NIT because I guess they're too good. But if there's a game to watch, well, there'll be a game I'll be seeing. And clearly, I tuned in to two of the best games starting with this game right here. Amazing. As for Alabama, well, you know, maybe now they could go back to being known for being a good football team. You know, because when we think Alabama and the Crimson Tide, we don't really think about their basketball team. We think about their football team. But their season is over and done. Brandon Miller, I do hope, uh, I do hope that he, you know, maybe comes back. <clears throat> People are already talking about his NBA stock taking a hit. Come back for another season, young man. Come back for another season. And speaking of number ones, number five, Miami taking on number one, Houston in the Midwest region. And it is the Hurricanes who move on. Final score, 
again, the Hurricanes, I've seen them play. They are a dangerous team. Their defense is stifling. It is suffocating. But this time, they added offense. They added offense. If you would have told me that Miami Hurricanes would have dropped 89 on Houston, I would have been like, nah, you're crazy. (laughs) As a matter of fact, the Hurricanes became only the fifth team this season to score at least 70 points against Houston. And for their reward, they will get second-seeded Texas. Mm-mm-mm. What's going to happen now? Again, defense wins games. As for Houston, they were in the Sweet 16 for a fourth straight time. They had won 15 of their last 16 games. And they had dreams of going to the Final Four. But Miami had other plans. Houston came into the game as 7.5 favorites. But they were playing from behind and they could never they could never recover. The Hurricanes, I'm not going to say they played perfect basketball, but when you turn the ball over just once in the first 20 minutes and you're turning Miami's six turnovers into 15 points and shooting 6 of 14 from 3, against a Houston team that had the second best three-point defense in the country, well, yeah, that's how you wind up losing. Crazy. Once again, brackets all over America. Busted. Done for. (laughs) I guess they'll have to do a... uh, a, a re-bracketing thing for the people that, you know, specialize in bracketology. And speaking of specializing, number six, Creighton taking on number 15, Princeton, in the south region of the Sweet 16. And the beauty of the Ivy League schools, when they go on these, here and there occasionally go on these Cinderella-like runs, is that there's a team that needs to put an end to it. Go back to being what you're known for in Ivy League school, not a NCAA powerhouse. And thankfully, Ryan Kalbrenner put his big seven foot one frame to use and led Creighton to the 86 75 final score victory and that was all that they needed so bye bye Princeton enough of the March Madness run Creighton will now get San Diego State each team again playing for their first final four and this game was really crazy because these teams were honestly just lighting it up in the first half. Creighton had 47 to Princeton's 43. Cats were just shooting the rock. But props to Princeton for destroying brackets across the nation, knocking off number two Arizona, 
and then blowing out, well, excuse me, number two, Arizona in the first round, then blowing out seven-seeded Missouri to make their first Sweet 16 since 1967. So again, being a sports historian, I respect the history. Princeton was looking to become the first Ivy League champion to make the Elite Eight since Penn's Final Four run in 1979. And the first Tiger squad to reach the Final Four since Bill Bradley led them there in 1965. But they just couldn't do it. I mean, like, uh, Cal Brenner was just all over the place. Let's get some numbers on that real quick. Give some props to the Creighton Blue Jays. Interesting logo. It's got like a C with a blue J. And his beak comes out just at the center part of the C. Call Brenner 22 points. Dominant. We also had their young guard, Shearman, came through with uh, 20 points, I believe. Nope, make that 21 points. And the other young man, Trey Alexander, lighting it up. 19 points, 3 of 7 from 3, as the starters pretty much carried them to victory from start to finish. And speaking of start to finish, in the last game, number two, Texas, taking on number three, Xavier, in the Midwest region. And it is Texas that will be moving on. Final score, 83-71. As they pretty much blew them out. Some games that I recap, we're going to get more time than others. Basically saying that uh, this is a game that, you know, we don't have to give much time to because Xavier got blown out. So when you get dominated, there's nothing much to really talk about. As Texas, though, moves within the game of the Final Four for the first time in 15 years. Wow. And now, Texas gets Miami on Sunday night. Texas <laughs> better come ready to play. They better come ready to play. Sir Jabari Rice, 16 points. Timmy Allen, 11 for the Longhorns. What else we got here? Yeah, based on the score, Texas just pretty much had their way with Xavier. Never really stood a chance. All right, let's see what else we got here. Hold on. Yeah, so see, when it's a blowout, there's really not too much to talk about. Except in closing, right? We got to have an in closing as to how we got here. So Saturday, being today, in a couple of hours, Kansas State University will be taking on Florida Athletic University, or Florida Atlantic, excuse me. Bear with me right here. Florida Atlantic, excuse me, Athletic <laughs> University. And then we will have... Uh, again, Gonzaga, number three, taking on number four, UConn. So give me FAU and give me UConn, please. And tomorrow, number six, Creighton, number five, San Diego State University for the South region. 
I'm going to go, honestly, with, even though blue's my favorite color, from what I saw from San Diego State, them dudes are not playing. They're here to win. And in the Midwest, number five, Miami taking on number two, Texas Longhorns. Hurricanes versus Longhorns. You know, I believe to my knowledge that Miami is the last ACC team here. I represent North Carolina, so give me Texas. But I say this with a warning. The Hurricanes defense is no joke. Thank you, sports fans, very much for tuning in to this podcast episode. Recap, results, Sweet 16, entering the realm, the dimension known as March Madness. There are no more number ones. And this truly will be a championship that is there for the taking by anyone that wants it the most. Until next time, Sports Fans Nationwide, Lex Anderson signing out.